0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We're talking about the digital revolution and some of the remarkable forces changing it from both the technology side and then on the business side. Seems to be an insatiable demand for some new types of innovations, technologies to help companies get closer and closer to their customers and move at the speed of the markets around them. And one of our monthly guests, Sean Amirati, is something of an expert in helping companies do that. So, Sean, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live.
1: Bob, thanks for having me. It's always fun to see you.
0: Yeah. So, Sean, you know, from your roles as a venture capitalist and your role at Carnegie Mellon University in the business school, where you help students understand some of the changing things that are going on today, but also your work with big companies, helping them try to think and move at the pace of smaller companies. Uh, lots and lots of things going on today. So, what's what's top of mind for you, Sean, in these crazy times?
1: Well, you know, it's, yeah, it is crazy for sure. It does feel like the the things are getting better and we're getting closer to, to getting back to normal, which is, which is awesome. Um, but, th- but the markets are crazy as well, right? Like it has just become uh, an incredible point in time in terms of the activity and, uh, and, and with these, these blank check companies or SPACs as they're often called, right? It has, we really hit a point where uh, the market is as red hot as it's, as it's ever been. And this week, um, DigitalOcean went public, which is particularly relevant for, I think, a lot of the folks um, who listen to your podcast, right? Because all of a sudden now, we can understand how Wall Street, in admittedly a frothy market, but how Wall Street values core infrastructure as a service revenue, right? Which is which has been kind of this interesting. Like, there's a there's a bunch of by proxies because it's part of a bunch of companies, as you know and you chronicle so well. But now we can say, okay, a company that does about 350 million in revenue. How does the where that's infrastructure as a service kind of kind of core infrastructure revenue? How does a company like that get valued by public market trade? by the public markets and um, and the answer is handsomely, right? Like the, the, the answer is, is good. Although at this point, I think an interesting question is what technology revenue does Wall Street not value handsomely? That's probably a, a different conversation for a different day, but I'm, I'm fairly confident there isn't a good answer to that question, right? But it turns out that about 350 million of infrastructure as a service revenue is worth about five billion dollars,
0: uh-huh.
1: which is a which is a good number. I mean, right? I mean, they they went public at about a five billion dollar market cap. Great number. Uh, it made a lot of the early investors there, including some friends of mine, a lot of money, which is good because private school is not getting any cheaper. So I'm <laughs> glad that those investors are, are you know were able to to take care care of that. Um, and so that's great. Uh, the the guys at Techstars, Stars. Uh, which is the the fund out in in Colorado? Uh, they were early backers of of the DigitalOcean folks, and it's and it's great to see, um, you know, a, a multi billion dollar IPO for them and, and also the founders. It's always great to see entrepreneurs who I know this was part of their goal, and I and met the founders of of DO a few times. I know this is what they wanted to do, and and I hope they feel uh, an incredible sense of satisfaction going public this week, or at least when we're recording it this week.
0: John, what? Is it about digital ocean, right? What allows them to get that uh, that sort of a, a multiple or that sort of a evaluation, right? Because you know, there there might be some folks who'd say, "Oh man, you know, a, a little company trying to go in and you know, bang up against Microsoft and Amazon and Google, you know, it just it'll never happen." What are they doing differently?
1: Yeah, I mean, and there's there's others as well, right? There are other there are other kind of pure play. Cloud providers, I think, have carved out th- these little niches. T- to me, when you look at DigitalOcean, though, right, it's it's very, kind of, as I understand it, it's very sort of low level, kind of bare metal type infrastructure as a service. That's kind of their their core competency. I think the multiple though is a reflection that, like, if you want to, if you want a pure play investment against infrastructure as a service there aren't a ton of options outside of Dio right now, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. If, if if you want the largest infrastructure as a service provider, you've gotta be okay buying a Walmart along with it because it's hard to, to unbundle AWS from the rest of the Amazon initiatives. Um, not literally a Walmart, but you gotta, you gotta buy an e-commerce company as well if you wanna buy, buy, buy AWS. Um, which by the way, um, I had a friend at Amazon call me and say like, hey, you got to stop talking about this uh, spinning AWS thing. Um, he's like, you know, I don't care what's going to happen on uh, in Washington, D.C. We're, we're going to stay together. And I said, oh, I, I think you misunderstood the argument. Um, I, this is not an argument about regulation or, or, you know, Mr. Bezos going to Washington. That's not yeah. what we're talking about here. Like, this is me as a capitalist who likes making money and likes seeing, values of businesses increase, not decrease, trying to help you increase the value for your shareholders. This, is, this has nothing to do with who the Biden Harris administration may or may not have put into the different positions. I mean, they are gunning for you. So that, that is a secondary reason to do this, but I want you and all your other shareholders to be wealthier. That's what this is about. But anyways, DigitalOcean I think is a good reflection. So if you wanna, if you wanna buy that trend, Mm-hmm. there's now a security that you can buy that against with nothing else included in it, which is great. What I think is interesting though, and so, so come, ha, hats off to, to Dio, but I think what's fascinating at, to some of the other conversations around this is we've looked at revenue along this, the infrastructure as a service up to analytics, mm-hmm. up to kind of vertical industry solutions, insights, right? You've kind of looked at these this revenue. We now have For the first time, a wonderful comp to look at, okay, how does Wall Street value that core infrastructure as a service? How do they also value these these data machine learning and and kind of big data trends? Because Snowflake and DigitalOcean, again, both very successful outcomes for the investors. So this is not saying that one is good and one is bad, but we can look at them and say, okay, these are roughly the same companies in many ways but attacking different points in that. And we can look at the different multiples that that revenue is given by Wall Street. So DigitalOcean, again, about 350 million in revenue. Uh, Snowflake is about 590 million in revenue. So larger, but it's not like it's 10 times larger, right? It's slightly larger. Market cap on DigitalOcean is about $5 billion. Again, when we're recording this, very good outcome. Again, congrats to the founders and the investors on that outcome. Uh, five billion is a good number that again, private school is expensive. Congratulations, Snowflake. Though, Snowflake is not like private school is expensive, Snowflake's like, Do you want to get that Gulfstream or not? Right? It's a different level of uh, right? Because Snowflake is not trading at a five billion dollar valuation, Snowflake, as of when we're recording it, is trading at a 60, $60 billion dollar market cap, right? So Five billion versus 60 billion. And so the, the, th- the, the sort of takeaway here, I think, is that when you look at and, and by the way, the companies were founded within a year of each other, you know DO was founded in June of 2011. Uh, Snowflake was founded in July of 2012, right? So you know these, these are like these are like wonderful comparisons that you can look at and, and sort of just get a sense on, okay, how does Wall Street look at these two things? And you know, there, there's uh, there's reasons beyond what we're pointing out, but I think if you're just looking for sort of directionally, why are you feeling these, these other large enterprise companies trying to, to push closer to the end customer? It's because they want their Gulfstream too, yeah. right? It, the, the reality is you're getting about eight times the valuation lift when revenue comes into this closer to the end customer insight Instead of the, the bare metal infrastructure as a service. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I think one of the things is it's not surprising, but now we actually have numbers we can look at to compare and contrast. I think they will both be fabulously successful, great companies that are here to stay. Uh, so this is not a, a critique of one or the other. I think they're, they're both great companies. Uh, not everybody gets to be in the, the sort of rare air that Snowflake is living in today. But it's just fascinating to look at how the market reacts to both of those companies.
0: Hey, Sean, just one one follow up on that. I know uh, there's lots of factors that go into it and you've you've articulated some of those very, very compellingly here. But what would be like with Snowflake, the, the Frank Slootman effect, right? He's been there, he's done it, known quantity, highly respected.
1: Yeah. So, so that is, look, uh, Frank is absolutely part of the the premium that that we that you're getting on this for sure. Um, and I think you know you could try to back that out by um, by looking at you know other companies where you're getting a premium for who's in the the CEO. See, that's not necessarily a founder I mean there's an interesting question which is like the the founder CEO premium is kind of a whole different thing by itself right but you could look at like Bill McDermott would be a really good kind of equivalent there if you're trying to kind of you're kind of trying to frame out um, how Wall Street is adding that premium to it Um, I'm trying to I I'm trying to remember here, the CEO of DigitalOcean is a relatively new guy as well, uh, and he had done some interesting things before, but I don't, let me see. So, yeah, I mean, it's an impressive leadership team on both of them, but I would definitely would probably say with no disrespect to sure, running SendGrid and taking that company public, uh, which is what Yancy did, uh, kind of pre-digital ocean, uh, the ping identity stuff. I mean, he's done he's on some good boards. He's done some good things. Um, certainly a, an impressive guy as well. But yeah, you probably would have to say that some of that premium is the relative difference in in CEO as well. Yeah. But I don't think it's, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's one X, right? You're still talking about a, a <laughs> yeah. five to seven X premium yeah. between the two. You can also think about the types of contracts the types of customers like admittedly like if you really you know these become kind of intentionally hand-wavy at at some point because if you try to get too precise when you do these types of analysis i think you often substitute precision for insight right like yeah. you can get so precise in your analysis that you've actually lost the the red thread and the higher order bit here so so maybe a better way to say it is you, with customer mix, with leadership team, with mm-hmm. length of contracts, like that's some of it. So I don't know. So it's a five to seven X premium. Like the, the point is it's, it's still though, I think part of this is just where they are in the market and, and the importance of that. And and you could argue things like customer mix also is a reflection of just where they are in the market as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> Shauna, in a larger scale, I think we see these, uh, it, it's just a fabulous thing, seeing new companies come in. Um, Snowflake, maybe a little better known, but DigitalOcean, you know, certainly uh, has had an impact in a lot of ways. And I think it's just good to constantly see these reminders that uh, I don't know what it is in the minds of some people that they say, ah, that's it, that ship has sailed, you know, that's done, that's over, so on like that. And then you can see, uh, right, in some ways, like the, what you started off the premise of the um, cloud infrastructure as a service business, right? Now, suddenly you've got Oracle, uh, admittedly, much, much smaller than the big guys, but uh, you know they've, they've established a high growth business there. And they're going after some of these new trends. You get these uh, relatively young companies emerging into the market. As you said, the pure plays that are coming in that way. I just think it's those points are indicative of what's happening across the board, right? The, uh, and you see that in the software side of things, these big, big, well-entrenched companies, they're realizing You know, the stuff that got me here is not going to get me to the next level. And this very refreshing thing you pointed out is some of these industry-specific solutions. It's, I think it's one of the most energizing and refreshing changes that's come along in this part of the business in a long time.
1: Yeah, totally agree, and, and it's and it's also I think, um, beyond like all the the sort of financial benefits of it, right? It, it's also making their customers better, which allows their customers to serve their customers better, right? And so, you know, there's there's a lot of the tech, it like not as much in the stuff that you guys talk about at Cloud Wars, but when you kind of zoom out and think about technology inclusive of consumer tech.
0: Sean, that's an interesting point. I wanna follow up on that in just one second, but first we're gonna offer a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com
1: slash a game. Right. There's a lot of tech today that I think it's a jump jump ball generously to say like, "What well, does that really make the world better or or not? And and you know, some of the answers I think unfortunately are just it's it's hard to not come to the conclusion that like maybe it did at one point, but uh, you know, yeah. the the, the it's not the same thing it was 20 years ago when I was thinking about and dreaming about being in the tech industry for sure. But when you think about these industry-specific solutions, right, they absolutely really do make these companies more efficient, allow these companies to delight their customers mad- better, create these magical moments for, again, their customer's customer. And I, I just think that's also an exciting part about this this whole thing because it it's kind of getting back to this you know, bicycle for the mind type place in technology that I think got a lot of all of us excited to get into this space at one point.
0: Yeah, Sean, you know, there's uh, a couple of companies I just want to mention on that that uh, I think it's been remarkable. I I had a chance to talk recently with the guys, the executive vice president of the uh, industry cloud business at Salesforce named Jujar Singh, Mm -hmm. who had in his past been at Oracle, SAP, Microsoft, right before going to Salesforce. So, you know, he has seen how some of these companies operate. But the big point that he was making in this conversation, he said, yes, we're doing a lot of this new stuff in the industry specific thing, but we're not trying to do that. Like, okay, this is separate, you know, sort of skunk works or operating unit over here. He said, we are building right on top of the platforms we have. And Sean, I wanted to ask you about this because he brought up this term. He said in the insurance industry, he said, we're able to write some of our own mid-office. He called it not front, not back, mid-office applications that help extend things out. So he was getting into that level of specificity about front, back, middle, but also the, the point we got to at the end, and I had nudged Jujar a little bit on this, was isn't the goal getting past these front, back, middle office things, right? You know, maybe the ideal digital... Uh, digital business of the future we want it's there's a single office it's the office of the customer
1: that's right that's exact that's that's exactly right and that's well said right the office of the customer but i think you're i think you're this the, the sort of Salesforce industry specific stuff is very interesting because you do see not only just this robust ecosystem within Salesforce, which is incredible, but you also see these amazing companies that are independently and autonomously built on top of it as well. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, a, a fun example that I think is is a bit flying under the radar unless you're in the banking space would be Encino, right? And <laughs> Encino is uh trying to. See here, but you know, 140 billion dollars, uh, 140 million dollars a year, and I think the market cap is like six billion. I mean, yeah, 5.8 billion, right? Um, so another, another good, and and literally, it's a Salesforce app. Like, I mean, it's a it's a great Salesforce app, and when you talk to the people in banking and finance that use it, they absolutely love it, right? And it's it's also a great example of banks innovating and then spinning that innovation out for other banks to take advantage of it. The roots of Encino were inside a large bank, right? But but at the end of the day, you've got to be a Salesforce shop, at least my understanding, and you know, maybe Encino can correct me if I'm wrong this, but from the limited understanding I have about it and the things going, my understanding is to build on top, to use Encino, you also need to leverage the Salesforce platform, right? It is literally a six billion dollar publicly traded company. Built on top of the platform you were just talking about, because of this sort of middle office space, right? And and to me, that that really starts to get to the point that like when that we were talking about last time, when people say like, oh, this this space is kind of it's it's innovated out. We're we're sort of done. The market's going to grow roughly this the, at the rate of GDP over the next few years. You know, there are these strong counterfactuals that that are just really hard for for that to feel correct when you look at businesses like this, and and I think it makes a ton of sense that Salesforce is pushing aggressively into this space, and then also in the right places doing this kind of partnership model as well.
0: Well, Sean, so yeah, that the 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 point you brought up about you know it, it, with whether it's Encino, whether it's Cerner. You know, some of the, in the healthcare business, whether it's some of these others, they said they've that uh, Salesforce has aggressively gone out to try to co innovate with them, let them, you know, be a part of the, in the same ecosystem here rather than like, well, either, you know, you're going to win or I'm going to win, but, you know, one of us is going to lose uh singh said that the you know their their idea is quite different and he said we've really really now begun to you know fully leverage and embrace the capabilities of MuleSoft, you know with the apis the integration so that the customer can you know with more and more of these tools is going to say hey i don't have to tear out stuff i had before i can use it but uh interconnect everything that way and i just think that's that's one of the other um i don't know that i've i've uh uh I would be ready to say that I think the tech industry is growing up. I think it's good that it doesn't grow up too much. I, I like this sort of uh, you know, crazy adolescence that continues to refresh it and keep things moving and lively and somewhat unpredictable. But I think at least uh, you know, when we're teenagers, we get these glimmers of recognition that there are certain things I should do, certain things I shouldn't do, and whether or not I follow through on what I should or shouldn't do, but at least I, I have the awareness of it. And I think that more and more the big tech companies are saying, look, I might like to in my, you know, teenage isolation say I'm going to pit, I'm going to, you know, dump these problems on my customers and let them worry about it, but I'm just going to compete and make life miserable for my competitors. I think they're starting to realize that that is a very, very limited uh, outcome there. So I think this embracing And you can sort of run down, you know, Cloud World's top 10. Every single one of these companies had some specific initiatives recently to try to do that. And then I think they see, Sean, DigitalOcean, Snowflake, some others coming up from the other side said, hey, we are not uh, in total control of our our destinies here. There are some other outside factors, and we better do everything we can to make life for our customers better, simpler, faster, and more successful. And I I just love the way you are always uh, pushing hard on that idea.
1: Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's it is fun. It's fun. To, it's fun to look at these things and think like every time you think we're sort of turned the corner and it's an optimization problem, it turns out no, we're not just optimizing and climbing this hill. We're looking over and saying, oh, there's a there's a bigger mountain over there that we yeah. can go go climb, and and I think it's it's just a ton of ton of fun right now.
0: Sean, can I ask here uh you know before we go, I know that last time I, I was feeling sort of bad for you, I think you had a vest on it was like fifty eight degrees or so in Florida that morning, and are you okay you've you've gotten through that
1: uh, yeah, I am i am there's so, this bronze victory is just keeping me warm, Bob so it's <laughs> working out just fine.
0: All right, we're definitely going to cut that, but um, thanks for mentioning, it. Sean. <laughs>
1: good to see you. any
0: final thought before we go, Sean. Uh, not yeah. about pro football, please.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. But but this is fun, and and you know, look forward to continuing to to chronicle this, and and you know, just would say again, I think on the on the snowflake stuff, it's I think it's also really great what John is now doing as well, where we're starting to understand this this data specific element of the the cloud ecosystem. So. Uh, if your audience hasn't checked that out yet, would encourage them to go start spending more time in that that content as well.
0: Yeah, the, uh, John Foley in the Cloud Database Report is doing some fantastic work in a, such an interesting sector. Well, Sean, thank you. I hope uh, if um, triathlete season is able to be something that comes along with this, uh, you know, sort of reopening of things. I, I I wish you good all all the best on that. Thanks for being with us, Sean. Always good to see you.
1: Thanks, Bob. You too
0: all right, my friend. Thank you. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. We're trying to keep up with this digital revolution. It's moving pretty quick. We're doing the best we can. Thanks to folks like Sean for helping us. And thanks to you for being with us. See you soon.